0: And welcome back to Kidman Talk. This is the 130th episode, and I'm your host, Carl Bastian, coming to you from Kidology.org. You know, one time, a student went to his professor, and he said, Professor, why is it that every time I ask you a question, you respond with a question of your own? The professor thought for a minute, then he responded. Why do you think that I do that? You see, that professor understood the power of questions. He knew that if you really want your students to learn and understand and personalize and retain knowledge, you've got to use questions. Today we're gonna talk about the quest for quality questions. I'm gonna share with you the three types of questions that we can use in our teaching. The one that we use the most, that's the least effective, I'm gonna share with you. And then we're also gonna talk about the one that we use the least, that's actually the most effective. Then I'm going to share with you 10 tips for using questions effectively. And I'm going to end with the single greatest tip that I have ever received when it comes to using questions. Our featured resource for this podcast is Because International. I'll tell you about that in just a minute. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, thank you for taking some time to invest in yourself by listening to Kidman Talk. All right. Before we dive into questions, I want to tell you about our resource. It's be called becauseinternational.org. Now you know kids love games maybe you have played that game where the kids all take their shoes off and you put them in a big pile and then they race to fly into that pile and dig through it find their shoes get the shoes back on and of course the kids with the slip-ons and the velcro always have a little bit of advantage well kids love shoes but did you know that over 30 million children around the world do not have shoes Hey, if you're doing a vacation Bible school this summer or you're looking for a message project that your kids can get behind and one that they really can relate to, you've got to check out becauseinternational.org forward slash VBS because your kids can make a real difference with Because International and something they have called the shoe that grows. Make this your mission project. It is a shoe that expands five sizes and it lasts for years and it's designed specifically for kids who are in poverty. So just go to becauseinternational.org forward slash BBS. It's completely free. They will send you a mission kit to help you promote it. And they'll even give you a free sample of the shoe that grows. And it might be just that thing you can do with your kids, something they can relate to because they all have shoes and probably have a lot of shoes and they can be a part of helping kids in poverty who don't have shoe to get That basic need met. Well, let's dive into questions this morning. All right, questions are so important in our teaching, and yet, a lot of people are not intentional about the questions that they ask. Questions sometimes are an afterthought. At the end of the lesson, you know, oh, the preacher's still going, there's time to fill. And so they just start uh, randomly asking questions. When we do that, we tend to ask the wrong type of question. Questions are so effective, they are worth our advanced planning. Our advanced thinking, actually thinking through the questions we're going to ask. You know, the things I spend the most time on in my preaching or teaching prep is first my introduction, because I want to start out strong and I want to clearly establish at the beginning what our topic is about. That's the hook, right? You want to hook your audience right at the beginning. And with kids, sometimes it's an object lesson or a skit or something that right out of the bang, um, you do it. Even my podcast today opened up with a joke on the topic of questions because right away I want to do that. I always take extra time also to think through the ending. Otherwise, we can just be rambling and we don't really know how to wrap it up. And our lesson can deteriorate at the end if we haven't thought about how we're going to end. But the third thing that I focus on the most when I am teaching is questions. What are you going to ask the kids to think about? And so I want to talk to you about three types of questions that really covers every type of question in our teaching. The first is the one we use the most, and it is the least effective. And that is simply a informational question. An informational question is one that the student must remember something in order to respond correctly. These questions are what we call closed questions because there's only one correct answer. They're important because we are trying to teach the kids the fruit of the Spirit and the Ten Commandments and and the books of the Bible and things like that. So they are important, but it's also not a question that leads to discussion. They are limited in their effectiveness. So ask informational questions. They can be fun in, in quizzes and contests, but they also can have a discouraging effect because kids are not often able to answer correctly. And so then they they feel that sense of failure or feeling like they're not that smart. Now, the next level of question is wonderful. Um, It is personal level of questions. Now, a personal level of question is one that does not have a right or wrong answer. It is a question that just requires them to identify with the question in some kind of a personal way. You know, the intent of instruction is to guide students in their personal decision-making and value-forming, right? And so questions at this level are an effective means for engaging students in the process of thinking, reflecting, expressing, and acting on concerns that relate to them. Again, there's no wrong answer because it's it's a personal answer. It can be way off in left field, it can be completely a tangent, but it's their answer. And because it comes from them, if it's what they think, It is a valid question. And those are good for getting kids to talk. They often will spring into a story that sometimes you've got to find a way to not let it get too long because they are relating to it. They are thinking about it in a personal way. They're remembering some experience that has to do with the topic you're talking about. But the third one and the most important one are called analytical questions. These are questions that require the student to think in order to respond. They're not yes or no, they're not right or wrong questions. They're more open-ended and they have the potential for many different answers and responses. You know, the same analytical question could be asked of every student in the class and each one could give a different answer and yet they would all be right. So basically, an analytical question asks them to think about it. What do you think? And it suggests that the teacher really does want to know what the student thinks and their answer will be, um, accepted. So what? let me give you some practical examples. You're teaching on Moses, all right? And you want to ask some questions. An informational question is simply, how many brothers did Joseph have? To which country did Joseph get taken and sold into slavery? What was his first job as a slave? Who was his boss, all right? Those are informational questions. They're helpful in finding out if the kids were listening to the lesson. Um, we also want them to know the story story, but if they don't know the answer, there's a negative experience. The personal level of question, you would move beyond the facts of the story, and you might ask, if you'd been Joseph, what would you have done when you were falsely accused and, and sent to jail? Or, when, when are some times when people have done mean things to you like Joseph's brothers did to them? Now they're relating to Joseph in a personal way and it's opening them up to his experience and relating to it with their own life. And when you get to the application of the lesson, what you're learning from Joseph, they now know where to apply that new knowledge that you're giving him. The analytical level goes deeper though. It might say, what are some of the reasons why Joseph's brothers would hate him. I mean, they really did not like him. I mean, to fake his death and to almost kill him and to sell him into slavery. And so it gets the kids to think about, you know, Joseph is a great role model. He's one of the best role models in scripture. He doesn't have a whole lot of negativity about him or he didn't deny Christ, you know, he didn't you know, take his eyes off Jesus and start sinking, you know, he didn't have an adulterous affair like David did. And, and so, but what, but he was, he did kind of brag a little bit you know, and he did kind of share the dreams that he had with his brothers, and it might have been wiser if he kind of kept those to himself, or maybe just shared them with mom and dad. Um, So getting them thinking about that, or maybe you might ask a question like, you know, what do you think Joseph meant when he said, and you give a quote that he said, or why do you think the king completely forgot about Joseph, you know, and, uh, or the the cup baker, and the, and the, the, it was the cup baker and the and the oh the cupbearer and the baker now which one of those got killed do you remember i think the cupbearer lived and the baker died you'll have to fact check me on that um but you get some thinking about it and there's not there's no wrong answers but there is a realm in which the answers are valid they can't just start talking about some random thing that's way off track because they're they're thinking about a specific aspect of the story so in your teaching Don't give just informational questions. Limit those. Get the kids talking through personal-level questions. If you have small groups, script out some personal-level questions for your small group leaders so that they can draw out of the kids what they are thinking and how they're relating to the Bible and to the story. But make sure you you put the most time into analytical questions. This is where the rubber meets the road and where you're going to get the longest-lasting impact from what they have learned. All right, we're gonna move now into 10 keys for using questions effectively. And I have learned these over the years. Many of these I got from my mom, who was the master teacher and the master at asking questions. And then I'm going to end with the greatest number one tip that literally can transform your relationship with kids in the context of asking questions. It's something I wish I had learned sooner, but I'm going to end with that as the big finale. So let's talk about 10 keys to asking questions that are effective. The first one is to ask questions that are more open-ended than closed don't ask questions that are a yes or no. When you're tempted to use them, make a statement instead and then ask an open analytical or personal question, all right? You want to get the kids talking. Otherwise, you're going to get, uh-huh, uh-uh, and they're not engaging the mind at that level. Secondly, and this is a powerful one, ask only one question at a time, all right? Sometimes we bombard kids with questions. We'll ask a question and no one answers. So we ask another question and no one answers. And so we shoot out another question and no one answers. We don't realize it, but what we're doing is we're teaching the kids that if they just don't answer it, we'll move on. We'll, we'll just ask another question. And so what you wanna do is make sure that you ask one question at a time, which leads me to the third tip. After asking a question, it's gonna sound crazy, but be silent be silent. Some kids are hesitant. So you've got to give them time to build up courage. And this is hard for us because when we ask a question and there's no response, we feel like a failure. We feel like the problem is with our question or maybe we didn't teach well. And and so there's this awkward silence. And so we want to fill that awkward silence. What you have to understand is that that silence is awkward to your students as well. And if you let that awkward silence hang, let it linger, they will fill that awkward silence uh, before you if you're just willing to wait. This, This is a discipline you have to develop. One of my secrets is if I ask a question and there's an awkward silence and I want to talk, I will literally just count to 10 slowly in my mind. Because if I say, why do you think that Jesus said this? Well, you're thinking, oh, I don't know what he said, <laughs> but that awkward silence makes them want to fill it, and they're gonna they're gonna throw something out, and it might not be right, it might be a little off, but you're able to say, that's great, I love the way you're thinking. You know, I think that he said this because, and so you draw them in, and it lets them know that you actually do care to hear their thinking. When we ask questions and don't wait for an answer, it's kind of like saying, well, you know, you didn't really have a good answer. Um, That was a rhetorical question. Um, I have the right answer, and so let me answer it for you. Teach your kids that you will not answer it for them. You will not keep talking until they have at least offered some kind of thinking. The next tip is to present your questions to the entire class don't put a kid on the spot, all right? If uh, if a kid's not paying attention or he looks like he's checked out, I will sometimes do use their name. I'm a big name dropper. I love to say, hey, Peter, you know what I'm saying? But I don't ask him a question because I don't want to embarrass them. Present your questions to the whole class so that they all know that they're all welcome. The next one is provide some feedback. One of the worst things, and you've experienced this, where a teacher or instructor asks a question and you give an answer, answer and they just move on. And it's kind of like, Oh, I guess I was wrong. Oh, I guess, I guess I was doing the wrong thing. You, you want to make sure that you, um, that you give them some kind of a feedback. All right. Say, Oh, good thinking. Or that's awesome. I'm almost getting close to my big tip that I want to save for the end. But next you want to express an understanding of how they got to that answer. All right. So if a kid says something and it's a little off, you know, ask a probing question, try to figure out what they're coming, or say, oh, I love that Bible story, but this one's in the New Testament, so that you understand what they're thinking and kind of express that, all right? And then the next tip is to follow initial questions with more probing ones, all right? You want to go a little deeper. That's a good answer, but why do you think he did that? what do you think he was hoping would happen as the result of that and so you ask that deeper question and you can ask a more probing question directly to a child who's already answered because you're engaged now in a conversation with them just don't let them be informational questions so they don't feel like they can give a wrong answer next tip is inquire don't interrogate all right inquiring says i'm with you i'm interested in what you have to say interrogation puts them on the defensive and hinders creativity so if a kid gives you questions say why why do you think that you know, they're going to be like, uh, I don't know. I don't really think that. So make sure that you're inquiring. You really want to know what they think. All right, we're getting down to the end here. Encourage questions, excuse me, inc- encourage students to ask their own questions. You know, sometimes we do a lot of talking at kids and we get a little bit of feedback from them through questions, but we're doing the main talking Provide an opportunity for kids to ask questions, especially in small group, to say, do you guys have any questions about the story? Is there anything about the story that that kind of has you confused or wondering? And, and you can say, any question is a good question. And it'll allow that environment where they can feel fine. You don't want them going home with unanswered questions. And remember, I don't know is a, is a legitimate answer. I had a kid ask me a question this morning in church, and I said, you know, I don't know. That is a great question. And you know what? There's been theologian, theologians for centuries wrestling with that question. He asked me, did God create himself? And we had a great conversation about that. But ultimately saying, I don't know, is fine. But it's letting him know his question is valid and that we sometimes have questions that we never get a full and complete um answer to because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are deeper than our thoughts, and we will never fully understand him. Lastly, before I get to the big tip, is accept students' responses as a gift. When someone answers a question, they're they're offering a part of themselves. Imagine that question as a gift. It's something that they are handing to you, and how you receive that is important. That's why if you just move away, they're kind of left holding it like, oh, did he he accept it or not? You want to take that gift, and you want to thank them for that answer. You want to treat that tenderly and, and, and positively so that they will be encouraged to give again. You know, I had a professor in college who the first day of class, he asked a question, and the first kid that answered, he ridiculed him, And he ended up picking on that kid for the rest of the semester. And he used questions as a way to shame or manipulate. And and I started warning my friends, boy, if you take this professor's class, don't answer any questions the first day. He's going to ridicule you. He's going to mock you. And you're going to become the running joke for the entire semester. He eventually was written up and he's no longer at that college. But he had been there for many years and he used questions Uh, punitively. And I suppose in his mind, maybe he was trying to really challenge them to think before the answer, but he did not receive those questions as gifts. And then he wondered why nobody would answer questions in his classroom. He would ask and he would get upset and he would lecture and everyone's like, I ain't answering. I ain't answering. I saw what you did to his answer. I, I feel still what you did to my last answer. So receive those answers as a gift. All right, we're down to the end here. I want to share with you the single greatest tip for answering questions. But I got to do it with a story. Years ago, when I was a rookie kid pastor in downtown Chicago at the Moody Church, I started Children's Church. I was having a great time. I thought I invented Children's Church because I'd never heard of one. And uh, I was just having a blast doing puppets and object lessons. My kid's crew was born during that era. But I had this one little boy. He came in from the projects of Chicago. He must have had a great set of parents or grandma who told Bible stories because every time I asked a question and I did a lot of informational questions back then, I didn't know the power of personal questions or analytical questions. So I did informational questions at the end of my lesson, you know, reviews. And no matter what I asked, Tyrone was in the back, oh, 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 Pesca, Pesca, oh, oh, Pesca, Pesca. And so I would call on him and he would, with such confidence, And such power. I hope he's a preacher today. He would go, Moses! And I would say, yeah, no, it wasn't Moses. I'm sorry. And then he would just deflate. And I thought to myself, man, someone must have taught him a bang-up lesson on Moses, because he loved Moses. But every week, I could be doing a story about the disciples and, and the feeding of the 5,000. He'd be telling about Noah and the ark, or David and Goliath. Oh, oh, Pisco, Pesca, Pesca, I know! Moses! And I'd say, no, no, it wasn't Moses. And um, I, felt, I felt horrible. Well, I was sharing this story with a mentor friend of mine. His name is Barney Kennard. He's one of our kidology coaches. And uh, he was coaching me back as a young kids pastor. And so I was just sharing it to him as a funny story. I said, oh, Barney, this poor kid. Every week I ask him, I ask questions and he's like, Moses. And I just, it breaks my heart to see him just deflate. But to his credit, you know, he would ask, he would guess again. And, you know, I thought, oh, well, he must be hoping for the one time that I will finally, you know, it's like if you play the lottery, the same numbers every time you're eventually gonna win. So, uh, so the one Sunday I thought, okay, I'm gonna be the super deep duper teacher. I'm gonna rig this for Tyrone. So, uh, no, it didn't matter what I was teaching on. I got to my review time at the end with all my informational questions, and I looked out over the audience and I said, "Who did God give the Ten Commandments to?" And some of the kids were like, "That wasn't part of our lesson." And Tyrone's like, "Oh, oh, oh, physical, physical, physical. And I was like, this this is the moment this is the moment I can't wait to see how excited he's gonna be when he gets it right I said Tyrone and he said ah uh, Jesus I was like no no it was Ty- Ty- Tyrone it was Moses and he's looking at me like oh my goodness I, the one time I could have got it right I changed my answer. So I was sharing this story with Barney, and uh, he chuckled with me, and he said, well, Carl, the problem is you're asking for answers instead of guesses. And that is so profound. You see, guesses are safe because a guess can never be wrong. I mean, I started from that day forward asking who can guess and asking my question. And if he'd said, Moses, I could say that is a great guess. Moses was a mighty man of God in the Old Testament. He brought the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and God gave him the Ten Commandments, the beginning of the Old Testament law. What a great guess. But I'm thinking of someone in the New Testament, one of Jesus' disciples. So he can sit there going, I made a good guess. I made a good guess and not worry about the fact that he actually got it wrong. So guesses are so powerful. I mean, I was in Chicago back during the Bulls dynasty, and I had a little kid one time when I was asking questions about Solomon, he's like, Michael Jordan! I'm like Michael Jordan, okay, Michael. And I was able to say, oh, Michael Jordan is awesome on the court. But I'm thinking of someone in God's court, in the, you know, in the in the temple. And uh, and he's like, Oh, I had a good guess. And I was like, okay, I don't know where that came from. And so ask for guesses. When you ask for guesses, you give kids permission to share anything that's on their mind you can receive it as a guess you might be able most of the time to acknowledge how they arrived at that answer if you have absolutely no clue where that's coming from you just tell them that's a great guess (laughs) and uh, thank them for participating and ask somebody else so in your teaching make sure you are intentional in the questions that you ask Use informational questions, but make sure you plan some personal questions, some analytical questions. Make sure you offer them to the whole class. Make sure you are silent after you ask, which, by the way, works in recruiting. Hey, I need somebody to uh, head up crafts at BBS. Then you're just quiet at the BBS planning meeting. And someone finally is like, I, I don't want to leave it, but I'll help. Someone's like, well, yeah, I'll help Boom, it works in recruiting as well. Also, make sure you go and check out becauseinternational.org forward slash BBS. Help your kids do an awesome fundraising mission project that'll make a difference in some lives of kids. Thanks again for joining me.